Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, what's up? Amir Ryder here with the Transform Sales Podcast. I got my guest and good friend, VP of Sales at Inside Sales Solutions, Seth Kenny. Seth, what's up, man? How are you? Great to see you, Amir. Long time. Long, Long time. time. So me and Seth known each other for, for almost seven years now or something like that with... Through, through, through multiple, well, not multiple, two organizations, but Inside Sales Group has been your home for what, the last five years? Inside Sales Solutions, uh, just about four years now at this point. Yeah. Awesome. So you're definitely a seasoned vet because I know I've worked with you in the outbound sales community for quite some time. Uh, for those of you that are listening for the first time or new listeners or old listeners, what we like to do is we like to ask experts about the real deal, holy field of of what mistakes buyers make when selecting an agency and what mistakes they make when working with an agency in the hopes of buyers listening, learning, and self-identifying common mistakes that might actually help hurt them from getting the results that they want. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love to know, how did you get into, how did you get into this sales, B2B sales service business to begin with? What was the journey to get there? It's kind of an interesting one. So I, I've I've kind of always been in sales my entire career from an 18 year old kid, right, fresh out of high school. Uh, my first job was selling long distance uh, for Sprint, right, and doing this in a B two B fashion, um, and and turned that into an insurance career, which I spent about 10 years working at Geico Auto Insurance. Um, this was uh, a progression, you know, from customer service through sales all the way into eventually being a sales trainer. And I did this corporate inside sales training gig for uh, roughly nine years uh, before moving into uh, outsourced sales and, and specifically supporting SaaS and IT service-based companies. Um, and then again, progressed through the ranks there as well. Started as an SDR myself, uh, moved up into account management, moved up into uh, direct, you know, sort of a director role and managing multiple accounts, uh, and then grew into a VP of sales role and have been doing it ever since. So. Uh, been in the industry now for just under a decade. Uh, been with multiple agencies prior to Inside Sales Solutions, so I've seen it done a lot of different ways. Some good, some not so good, uh, and I'm excited to talk about it today. So, so that's good. So you were a sales expert as you broke into the industry, and then you actually worked. I hear it correctly as a sales trainer. That was I did. Okay, so that's unique. Uh, you're the first. I did. You're yeah. the first guest I have spoken to that has experience as a sales trainer. Um, which, which you know, is kind of a weird progression, right? You wouldn't normally see that, that going that way, but yeah, I spent, uh, spent about four and a half years as a sales trainer for Geico auto insurance. No, that's great. I'm sure you learned a lot there because they're, they're a big corporate money-making machine. Um, and they, they hit forecast every year over and over again, which is awesome. Uh, well, this is great. I'm excited. Uh, where are you calling from today by you? You're in Tampa. I see you got I the bucket. outside of Tampa. So you got the Buccaneer yeah. shirt on. Huge Bucks fan. Let's go Bucks. We're, we made the playoffs. We're, we're excited. If you're not a Bucks fan, you should be. But, I like uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. I, he's, a, he's a winner, so I, I follow winners around and learn from them. So yeah, I guess I'm a Bucks fan now. Uh, so let's talk about like we'll take it. mistakes that are just repetitive, right? Like, and obviously there's two different kinds of mistakes, right? There's mistakes that like hurt your ability to close a deal, and mistakes that affect the buyer from from buying the right service, right? So that's the kind of the mistake I want to focus in on. But what have you seen over the past, you know, 10 plus years, this kind of repeating term where buyers are looking for a B2B lead gen company and 
they're just making mistakes that just affect their performance. Anything that stands out to you that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I think there's a few. Um, you know, one of the one of the probably strongest uh, areas that I see here is not giving them enough to go off of. Right, you're sort of keeping your agency at an arm's length, um, sort of taking this whole you're you're the expert, you figure it out type of mentality and approach, which is true, right? And in theory, you would think, hey, I'm hiring these guys for a reason, but they're not going to know the intimate details that are happening inside of your organization. The way that you would approach, uh, you know, for instance, a competitor or a uh, a latent buyer or somebody that's just not ready for what you do yet, they're not going to hear that from anybody other than you accurately. And I think customers that come into it with that mindset or that idea of, hey, I'm just going to set it and forget it. Um, sure, that's there's a time and a place for that when you've been working with an agency for over 90 days and they've got it figured out and you, you can you can be confident that they that they know what they're doing. That's fine. But up until that point, it really does need to be a collaboration between both companies. It can't be a crockpot approach in the first 90 days. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, any other mistakes that they're making? Like, 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 are they do you see people kind of leading with, you know, price trying to negotiate things that they don't that they don't get? Like, what's what else I got? What yeah, else I would say see? price. I would also say probably expectation, like level of qualification being probably a big primary focus. I think there's a, a bit of a perception that you're able to uncover, uh, you know, 15 different qualifiers in a sales dev conversation. It just doesn't happen that way. You haven't earned the right to ask some of those deeper level rapport building questions until you get past that first conversation. So I think for a lot of customers coming into this, if you've started to explore it, right, I just... I'm conscious of the fact that a lot of agencies will say what they want you to hear uh, in the buying process without actually having the the vetted process behind it to say, here's why we're saying that. Right. And I think that's that's the half the battle. Right. If you're if you're out there looking for an agency, it's first off knowing what's realistic. Can we really get these qualifiers answered on the phone live or mm -hmm. are we just going to be looking at a boilerplate template every time we get a meeting request that comes through? But secondly, you know, can we do something with less, right? Does it really need all this level of qualification or can we start with something softer and work our way uh, from there to really make sure we're not alienating groups of people as well? And I think as long as you're answering those two questions, you're going to end up in a good spot. You're going to end up in a good place. That makes sense. Um, when it comes to when it comes to hiring an agency, have you ever have you ever had customers? Do you, do you feel like customers tend to want to hear what they want to hear? And, and, and do you tend to hear that like truthful responses that are, I would say, taken as negative because they're not what people want to hear, turn off buyers. So there's a tendency to like say yes to them because you're, you know, there's, a, there's this common thing that where if you say, hey, no, you're, you're doing a market validation campaign and this is what you should expect that it might turn them off and they might go to another agency. So there's kind of like this fear of being honest with, with, with buyers. Fear of losing I think deals? that ha I could see that happening in some agencies. It's certainly, you know, if, if you're if you're a specific agency that only does one style of delivery, then yes, that would probably be a challenge. Um, you know, most of your more mature agencies that are doing multiple delivery mechanisms, they don't really have that same challenge because they're going to take a consultative approach right out of the gate, and whatever method or 
uh, approach that makes the most sense for that customer coming in, they're going to be able to prescribe that without the fear of having to tell them no or go somewhere else, right? Because they're going to have something there that they can offer. Um, I think that's probably where you're going to see that more often than not is with those agencies that really just don't have the capabilities to do those other styles of sales development. So the more mature agencies tend to have like their product line scoped out basically, where, where the other ones are more doing products uh, scope creep, right? They're, they're kind of saying yes to people that aren't perfect, perfect fits. And that leads to just the... Well, that's what I mean. I, yeah, I think if you look at our industry, it's real, you've really got three primary modes of delivery. You've got your dedicated models, uh, which are per headcount, they're retainer-based. It's, it's one resource for eight hours a day, five days a week. You've got your performance-based models, which are going to be your pay-per-meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and this is all different shapes and sizes, of course. You've got things like event work and stuff like this. And then you've got your point solutions, which are either going to be email, social media, you know, phone only, these types of one channel only style campaigns. And they're all slightly different. Some agencies will fall in one or multiple of these buckets. The challenge is if you're that agency that only offers a dedicated model and somebody comes to you looking for a event-based program, well, then what are you going to sell them? You're going to sell them a dedicated only model. If they come to you and they're looking for target account outbound net new penetration, where it should really be a performance-based approach, what are you going to sell them? You're going to sell them a dedicated model because that's all you have to offer, right? So everybody gets mashed into this one box and then they're unfortunately not happy with the results on the back end because we weren't really giving them the right prescription for what they were coming to the uh, to the table with in the first place. So I think that's that's where a lot of the unfortunate disconnect happens with prospects or customers that are unhappy with their vendor of choice and who they've selected to work. Yeah. It's almost like going to like a general specialist doctor and you always get referred out to like the specialist. hundred percent. It bothers you at the time because you're like, I just want this medicine now, but in reality it's done because there's a specialist and it's almost as if there's no referral kind of specialist mechanism in, 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 in sales agencies. So the tendency is to, to treat, to treat the patient with what you have. Right. Um, which, which is, which makes a lot of sense. What, what typically happens to buyers like that? Do they end up like buying from you guys and not being happy? Do they end up not buying from you? Like what's the, what's the tendal, what is the, the, what happens to buyers that, that don't heed these warnings and move forward? Well, that's a good, it's a good question. I think it depends because, you know, obviously we see it from both sides. We see it from the side of we've used other agencies before and here was our experience and here's what happened. And then we see it from our own experience of, okay, we brought this customer in uh, and we used what we were describing as their, their best mode of delivery. And this was the result. So I, I would say, you know, there's always going to be this point of leveling expectations, right? You might think, hey, we can get to this number of meetings per month on a monthly run rate, but it's just not an option with what you have in terms of target accounts and with, uh, you know, your market awareness and where you're at. Maybe that, maybe that number, that top end number is just not reasonable. Well, then, of course, regardless of what me method of delivery you use to get there, you're still going to be underwhelmed with those results, right? But I think as long as you're you're checking the right boxes, it's better to go down that prescriptive approach and know that the method of delivery makes the most sense for you than it is to sort of just walk into it thinking, hey, I've got all my boxes checked. And then you just don't know, right? Because that is the is the is the challenge that I think most customers face when they select an agency is waiting for that 90 day window to go. Did it work? Did it not work? We don't really know uh, until we get to that 90, 120 day window and really can make a decision from there. So I would say, you know, most customers walking into it, they're probably not going to have a great experience. If you walk into that agency that only does dedicated, for instance, 
and you're looking for a performance-based, high-velocity, lots of at-bats for my team, you're going to be underwhelmed. But the same is true in reverse. If you're going to that performance-based agency and you're looking for deep-level qualification, I want them joined at the hip with my sales team, I want them putting everything back into my CRM, you're also going to be underwhelmed. So it, it does take this sort of perspective. Take the time to build a campaign at. you're looking exactly. to launch. Self-examine yourself and your own business as much as you're examining the agency to match to, right? Uh, exactly. You need a lot and of you have introspection. To be with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be honest with yourself too and, and go, okay, it, am I asking for the unbelievably unrealistic to happen? Because if the answer is yes to that, then I'm probably going to be underwhelmed, right? Yeah. And that's the thing is you have, to, you have to sort of look at it with a set of realistic eyes and be honest with yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. And I appreciate that. What about... Mistakes that buyers make when working with you. What's the common mistake you see that that is just repeating over and over again? Now that they engaged you, they trust you, you're starting to working. I'm like, you even said 90 days, right? And and to me, it's like you, you know, it's like almost like want to have this knee jerk reaction and be like, a pilot's 90 days. Um, but like, is that really you know the sweet spot? Like like it, it's kind of a variable on their program, right? Like I, 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 it is. Yeah. So it's, it's just you know we're saying this word, yeah. but you know where where what mistakes do buyers make um, when working with you and um, what is that sweet spot that you see from a time perspective for somebody to be just happy with a program's execution? I would say, I'm going to answer those in reverse. You should start to see positive indicators within the first 30 days. Yeah. Within the first 30 days, you should already be saying to yourself, okay, this looks like it's moving in the right direction. I wouldn't necessarily change anything, but let's keep an eye on it and see how it goes. By day 90, this should be solid. You should, you should be seeing your regular run rates uh, month over month by day 90. Yeah. Um, all the bugs should be worked out, all the wrinkles ironed out, et cetera. Um, but I would say within the first 30 days, 30 to 45 days, you're going to already see the right indicators to know if this is working, if it's a successful engagement or not. Uh, you should know that within the first 30 to 45 days. Um, the other part to that, you know, as you're thinking about what common mistakes are happening, um, to answer the other part of your question, it's really, it's not giving the agency enough to go off of. For instance, you know, I come to you, Amir, we really want uh, 100 meetings a month, and here's 300 accounts to get there. It's not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. We all know that that multiplier, you're going to need enough data to go after in order to... Yeah, to like data is a multi-billion dollar industry, and sometimes uh, leaders think they're going to hire an agency not only to to solve their manpower work, solve their process work, but also bring, you know, data, which typically sells for as much as an agency program separately, right? Like if you're going to go buy the data, it's probably exactly. the same price per month as hiring the person. And it's, I don't know, it, it's that tendency to want all in one that actually hurts their performance, which makes sense. Uh, I push back and say, I think month four is critical, four, five, and six. Um, that's just I what know. I've seen. But I know you guys have a title, you know, I, I, I appreciate the, you saying even last I, I would say four to six. Um, but what mistakes do you think they make that like really affect them besides that? Is it is it is there anything else that they're doing where they're like not communicating with you? They're just waiting for the 90 day mark to be like, did this work or did not? Like, who are your what are your best customers doing? Uh, and by best, I mean, getting results because you can't really be a best customer in sales yeah. unless you're getting results. Right. And, and what did the worst customers do? Yeah, I think, you know, when we look at some of our best customers, they're very communicative. We're constantly meeting. We're getting feedback, good, bad, and ugly at all times, right? We've got somebody dedicated on their side that uh, can answer questions on the fly, that knows uh, the product in and out, that knows positioning in and out, that we can go to directly. Those are, those are what the best customers are doing. Um, they're not just leaving you on an island by yourself to figure things out. Um, they're proactively 
sending you you know um, any sort of collateral, one pagers, assets that can help you do your job better. Um, you know, they're doing those types of things. On the flip side, it's basically the exact reverse of that. It's, hey, we're only going to meet once a month. And when we do meet, we just want to see the numbers. We're not going to ask any questions outside of that. Uh, we're not going to collaborate. We're not going to jump on training sessions if we need them. These are very, very few and far between. More times than not, it's the uh, organizations that just don't have the head, the head count uh, that end up falling into this bucket. You've got somebody who's very technical, who's created a great product or a service, and they just don't have the, man, the, the uh, head count or the bandwidth uh, to be able to really get granular with an agency. Uh, those are tougher. And it, it, that doesn't mean they can't be successful. That just means that they do need a little bit more effort in the very beginnings to be set up correctly mm -hmm. uh, and a little bit more attention in the early days before it can really go. And to your point, Amir, too, I think you're right. That month four, five, and six, that's usually where you're going to start to see that consistency shake out. But you should still already have an idea that you're going to get there by day 30 to 45. Yeah, I think that, people that, see activity to secret yeah. stuff before, but I like to prepare people for yeah. four or six because – you know, I think obviously there's different programs that the different maturity levels, but that tends to be that sweet spot where once they pass four, yeah. six months, they're staying with you for years to come. Um, what do you ever find like from the communication standpoint that you ever have like more buyers that spend more time asking you, you, you spend more time asking them to pay their bill and they spend more time asking you to, to get copies of the contract versus giving you feedback and doing role play or have you ever seen that? It does happen occasionally. It's it's pretty rare though. I don't I don't think I run into that too often. Good yeah. question though. For anybody listening, uh, I've had it a couple yeah. of times. So it's pretty rare. I've seen it all the time. I've spent time one time with a customer where like I spent more time, you know, like if I consult, like you know, charge thousand dollars an hour easily, right? And I'm spending hours and hours chasing them for past due bills. They ask me nothing about their call script. I'm like collecting them. I'm like I'm like they have not asked me one question about the campaign, the writing, the emailing, and they can and they don't and and. It's kind of weird. It's interesting because I'm like, you know, if you look at Seth, like Seth's been working literally in the business for 10 years. He's been a trainer. Like his expertise is is worth as much as the service. And sometimes I feel like instead of asking, you know, questions about campaigns, they're wasting your time on other things, right? Versus being like, Seth, let's get on the call. Let's go over the script. Like, do you find that clients that engage you more with the, the meat of the campaign find success? Or, you know, oh, 100 percent. Yeah, 100 percent that if, if they're asking the right questions and they're 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 doing some of the legwork on their side as well. Right. We just can't you're not going to be that successful if your agency's on an island operating by themselves. So that doesn't mean you're not going to see some level of success. Sure. But even if you're seeing some, imagine how much greater that would be if you were actually spending the time and really going into those extra levels as well. It would be even that much that much greater. So I, I think. You're absolutely right, Amir. You know, it's it's when they're focused on the important things, like don't be don't major in the minors, right? Is is the way I would explain that. Like, you don't want to be an expert in all things, not focused on your campaign, because what good's that going to do you at the end of the at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, you know, you really should be asking questions, and I would even go one step further to say, don't even focus on the areas that are really arbitrary, right? Like how many calls each individual SDR is making day over day. Is that an important metric? Sure, it is. But should that be the focus of every single weekly meeting? No, it should be what feedback are we getting from the marketplace? How many engagements are we actually having yeah. conversations with real people? Because if that SDR is making 100 calls or 70 calls, it doesn't, it's, it's 
a random number, right? It's how many conversations are they having? How many meaningful interactions? How many times are they getting your value prop in front of an audience? Those are the things that really matter. Yeah, people, people, I think buyers need to spend more time talking about their offer and, and do, do, buy, yeah. do, do their potential customers find value in their offer, right? Because I guess sometimes it's hard to have those conversations because people are embarrassed or afraid of the answer, right? I think it's hard to hear, you know, people don't like your offer. We got to change it up. And it's easier to say, yeah. you're not making enough phone calls, right? Um, because you have to look, at, too, you have to look in we, the mirror, right? I think it's the common yeah. theme of looking in the mirror and admitting that, you know, people don't want your pizza box. It's hard sometimes for people who spend their whole life building a robotic pizza box, right? Oh, exactly. And, yeah. I, and I think, too, that that's important also when we think about what the good ones do that, that the, the not so good ones don't do is looking introspectively and saying, OK, what about my own sales team? You know, are, are we spending any time at all enabling them on how to appropriately field? calls that were surfaced up by sales development yeah. and are, are they following up coaching around that it's usually yeah. are, they following, are they following up, up? yeah no. and that's not a knock necessarily on the sales team it's just hey if we have we not enabled them are they just expecting someone to show up to a call ready to sign a po uh or are they expecting to go in and build some rapport and do sales one-on-one stuff because this is very important right in terms of the success of the program and, and what direction it's going to take as well yeah that makes lots of sense let's look, tell me a little bit about your your best customers right now i know you guys service a lot of uh, industries i personally off the top of my head i know cybersecurity is something you crush it so uh if that's the the main one we could dive into that but let's make pretend you know, we had a magic wand and we could pick the, the perfect customer, the customer that gets the results that they want, right? Because that makes them the perfect customer. Uh, and you had to pick one. Is it software or services? Oh, it's definitely software. Definitely Cyber software. Why? Cybersecurity. Cybersecurity. Well, I think it all I knew this already. It's cheating. Yeah. I know you're my yeah. cybersecurity guy. Surprise. Can you believe it? Uh-huh. We already knew it. Uh, but no, security, I think, is important because for us, that's always been our sweet spot. Security has always been our forte. We've been doing this for over 12 years as a business. And so by building our own proprietary database, uh, this has really given us a leg up in terms of who's making decisions within these target organizations that buy security products. Yeah. And I think anytime you look at an agency, it's where they've had success before is where they're going to have success again. Yeah, and so, like anybody um, listening to that, I'll walk you through what Seth is really saying is that by specializing in cybersecurity, they have already contacted multiple times through multiple campaigns, ICPs and cybersecurity, and they, inside the sales group, are collecting intense data on cybersecurity. And over 10 years, when you focus, your database becomes stronger than a Zoom Info because Zoom Info is everything to everybody. Inside sales is literally working actionable data on cybersecurity. So when you're working with an agency that focuses on the space, you're also getting the years and years of contact level record data, like the same way that I know Seth's cell phone for seven years, right? And I know I, I know I call Seth about anything, anything shining in the B2B sales agency space will have context to him, right? Um, and, that's, exactly. and, and, and that's the same thing here. So you really wanna focus on agencies that specialize because what specialization gets you is, is the data, the intent, right? And they're gonna use that to get results on your behalf because that's their that's the model, right? So so that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, and, that, and I would say too, Amir, just to add on to that, it's it's always going to be the, you know the people, the process, the technology. Those three. It's always those three. It's always going to be those three, right? And I think if you look at the the data, which is the part of the process piece, that's there. But then the people too. Uh, the SDRs are used to having conversations around security products. And so the next security customer that comes in, this is not foreign to them. They're not having to go relearn something new that they've never heard of before. Oftentimes it's connected in some shape or form. Um, And so this journey to knowledge becomes much easier, much faster, 
uh, for them to, to get up to speed and to be able to go out and have good conversations with your next best customer uh, based on that as well. So I think that's important. What about location? United States, Canada, UK, you got to pick one. For a customer or for customer. Uh, SDR or for a customer? Ooh. I would say our Canadian customers are always extremely friendly. Um, but I would say some of my favorite customers I've ever had have been on our North American, uh, North American based. I like it. I like it. So if you're selling cybersecurity in North America, inside sales group is, uh, definitely worth the conversation. I'm like, that's, you know, we, 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 we work hand in hand and a lot of those opportunities as well. Um, what do you guys, what do you, what do you personally see as a big change in the industry in 2023 and beyond before we wrap this up? What's, what's the, what are you looking out for? What's going to be the, uh, well, the theme of the year? Oh, the theme of the year. That's a tough one. Like your prediction, right? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, automation is, is always going to be there to some extent, but you know, SDRs aren't going anywhere anytime soon. I think, uh, I think lazy SDRs are not going to have a place in 2023. I think they've really got to go and do that extra effort, tailoring approaches, getting away from sort of canned everything's right which unfortunately a lot of sales teams are doing this where everything's automated and it's just a a bunch of templates that they're sending out in a cadence-based fashion and just clicking auto send you might as well just hang the hat up because i think 2023 is going to really separate some of the sad story for all the companies that made those investments into uh sales loft outreach and apollo it's like hey the number one thing you just put a lot of money on uh it's probably not going to be working. Well, <laughs> I think if, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not speaking for everybody, but I can say for us, you know, email reply rates are abysmally low right now, especially yeah. templated email reply rates. If you're not tailoring it, if you're not putting in the extra effort to customize and do some of these pieces, uh, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Yeah. Good luck, Charlie. So, uh, this has been great. I, I love the insights from you. Where, where can people find you? If, if, if people want to contact you, pick your brain, talk cybersecurity sales. Where, where are you? Where are you these days, Seth? Besides yeah, best place is, is probably on LinkedIn. You can find me right on LinkedIn, Seth Kenny, uh, Inside Sales Solutions, uh, LLC.com. Uh, or you can find us right on our website, iSalesS.com. Uh, that'll lead you right to us. You can book time right there. Seth, you're the man. Uh, I love working with you and Inside Sales Solutions. Everybody, thank you for listening in to the Transform Sales Podcast. I'm going to be uh, taking off to do some SDR work myself because now I'm excited to sell. Take care, hey, guys. Good luck, Amir.